0: Hey everybody, this is Mike Wardrop from Encounter Church Adelaide, and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you can have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our preaching team. Crikey, they grow up so fast, these kids, one already. Man, we have babies in here younger than Encounter Church. I, I love it. I love it. Can I tell you something though, if you always do what you've always done, you're always going to get what you've always had. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always gotten. There'll be no change. There'll be no forward momentum. There will be no growth. And our God is a God of expansive growth. A God who has more than we could dream or imagine, more than we can conceive, more than we can understand. God has more for you here tonight. Amen? Amen. Amen. I am I'm so excited to be here, I, I'm, I don't know, I, I was exactly like this a year ago too, just like just like a, a, a teenager trying to ask a girl out on a date and having no idea what to do, just hands all over the place and awkward and stuttering and I'm still, a uh, year on I'm still the same, I'm still desperately in love with your church, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to tell you, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, I'd, uh, thank, thank God that just, I've got the spiritual gift of winging it but I just I just want to like I just want to take a moment to say if you're here you're part of this journey you've you've prayed for us you've championed us you've journeyed with us you've found a home here maybe you are starting to find a home here and can I tell you if you come here and you're seeking Jesus and for some reason this isn't working for you the first place you should stop is IC Church and I just want to honor and thank Pastor Nikki Hamerlinen, who's here with us, just celebrating with us tonight. They're doing an amazing job, a similar journey to us, church planning and cheering each other on across Adelaide. And thanks so much for being here, Nick. We just appreciate you and Dave and the fam. It's great to have you guys here tonight. Um, But I I really want to thank two people in particular. The first one is one I've thanked a bunch of times before, but I'm probably going to keep doing it. And that's the guy I call Patient Zero, Jared Hunter. Uh, He's the reason this church exists. Because somebody has to say yes first. And that's, that's not a joke. When it's just a family and one person saying yes, that's a huge step of faith. And so uh, and now he's the chair of elders. We love you, Hundo. Uh, couldn't have done this without you. Uh, but there's somebody else I should probably thank a bit more than that, and that's Jenny Wardrop, uh, pastor and leader and just... An incredible woman to do life with. She is better than me in any every conceivable way. She's an extraordinary human being, driven, driven, and passionate, and faithful, and loving. And I am in awe of the fact that God has allowed me to be her husband, and even more in the fact that she lets me keep doing it. So I'm just, I'm just, I'm so thankful. I this this is you, you've done an incredible work here, um, but it's not our church. It's Jesus' church. It's God's church. We build it on a different foundation. We build it on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. And if you're here and you're wondering why we're bothering, I hope to share a little bit about that tonight. And I I hope and pray that you might have an experience a bit like Tex had. Wasn't it amazing hearing Tex's testimony? This is what happens when people are willing to let themselves be changed by the power of God. Twelve months ago today, text came along as somebody who was sort of a loose friend of mine. You know, we, we knew each other, we were friends, but not super close. You're the one person in this room I can see, because you're sitting in the light up the back, so that's nice. Um, and And twelve months on, here he is. This is what Jesus can do in people's lives, if you let him, if you let him. What I want to talk about tonight is not, though, what we've done in the past year. That's all great salvations and rededications and baptisms and child dedications and... New locations and other thing ending with Asians, it's all good, but not I'm not that interested in what's being done. I'm not even all that interested in where we are today. I'm interested in where we're going. I'm interested in what God has for the future of you and me and this church, and I'm excited to share about that. But as we do this, right, as we discerned and prayed about it at the end of last year, one of the things we said is that we think God is calling us for a year of more. God has more for us in 2019 than he did previously. And it was super awkward because Hillsong, you know, they kind of stole it first, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we're just a little church doing our thing afterwards. But that was clear. God is calling us to more. What does that even mean, though? Like, what does that mean, calling us to more? That's the thing about vision statements and slogans. You can just make them broad and general, and people are like, yeah, yeah, what does that mean? Don't worry about it. Just keep cheering. But, we, but what we want to do is, is talk about the more that God has for us because God is an expansive God. God is a God of growth. God is a God who not only set the universe in motion, but kept expanding it, kept growing it. And every single one of us from now to the day we die has the capacity to grow, to learn, to develop, to discover new things, to go deeper with God than we've been before. It doesn't matter what your age is. It doesn't matter what your stage of life is. Tonight can be the start of a new step for you in personal relationship with God. That is my heartfelt prayer for you tonight. I don't want to talk about that through the lens of being hungry and being thirsty, right? Who can relate to being hungry or thirsty? We did, Yeah, church, you just did a Daniel fast not that long ago. You know you can relate to being hungry. I have three kids. They eat constantly, just constantly. Uh, if you've ever had a little boy, they don't like they don't really function like a human. Little girls do. Little boys, I don't know. I guess maybe when they're like 20 or something. I'm not sure. But no offense to you if you're not quite 20 yet here in the room but still i'm just saying i'm just saying they wear through shoes at an unsustainable rate and they eat a crazy amount of food so my son charlie will get up in the morning and just be he'll just power through 8 wheat mix he's 8 years old and he'll go through 8 wheat mix and then he'll be like can i have some scrambled eggs i, I yeah i guess i guess grace my beautiful angelic almost 11 year old daughter god help me she Her claim to fame is that she's eaten 17 tacos in a single sitting. And she talks about this like she's like Nathan's hot dog eating champion. And it's become the story that's apocryphal and like bigger with each retelling. But the thing is, like the more she brags about eating 17 tacos, the less I have to worry about boys knocking down her door. So I'm okay. Keep bragging, honey. Or if I still worry, I feel like more confident of overpowering the boys who are keen on 17 taco daughters. So I'm not worried about them. I'm not worried about them. Even my youngest, Noah, who weighs about the same as a feather, still eats constantly. He just snacks nonstop. They do great with food. What they don't do great with is hunger. Big difference. Big difference. They go great with food. But if you tell them, no, you can't have a snack. It's 10 minutes till dinner. Like Noah arches forward like he's Willem Dafoe getting shot at the end of platoon. Like he honestly... (laughs) Uh, You know, dramatic music is playing in the background, he'll just go and throw an absolute hissy fit. The older two have sort of learned to moderate it a bit because they know they can, you know, probably get away with dessert later if they behave themselves now. But food is one thing. Hunger is another. The gap between what we have and what we want. But the thing is, even though they hate hunger, hunger is good for my kids. Because if they're hungry, that means they're growing. For them right now, at the stage they are, the more hungry they are, the more they are growing as people. I want to suggest maybe that's the same for our spirits. Maybe it's the same for our spirits. The thing is, as adults, we're not much better at dealing with hunger pains. We're not much more patient. We get hangry. Don't we, darling? She doesn't know what I'm talking about. All I'm saying is if you encounter Jenny and she seems really hungry, like you basically need to treat it like a Snickers ad. Just, just put a Snickers out and then back away like you're ensnaring an animal into a trap, and, and by the end of it, she'll be her normal dynamic self. But just, just feed and water my wife, and she's, she's incredible. But to make sure she has that food... This is why I had to say all those nice things earlier, you know, I'm just trying to like even it out roughly and I feel like I'm still in deficit so I'm going to keep talking and keep moving. The thing is about our hunger and our thirst is we convince ourselves it's bad for us because it doesn't feel good, does it? When you're hungry, when you're thirsty, in that moment you're like, this doesn't feel good. But when we hunger and when we thirst, there's something being told to us. There's a message being sent to us by our bodies that you need something. The problem I want to tell you is not that you hunger, it's not that you thirst, it's that when we fill our hunger, that when we satisfy our thirst, we're doing it with the wrong things. We're satisfying ourselves with easy outs. We're satisfying ourselves with cheap snacks instead of the things of the Lord. You're Instead of, instead of going all the way home and preparing a delicious roast dinner that you prepared in advance, you're doing the uh, full Hungry Jack's crusade and loading up and you're feeling bad afterwards and wondering why and blaming God. This is what we do as people. We look into short term instead of looking for the long term. This is what we do. But in the Bible, God actually switches it around. He says, I want you to be hungry. I want you to be thirsty. I want you to be patient. I want you to press into my presence. In the book of the Psalms, we hear about this all the time. Psalm 42 says this, As a deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. I'm thirsty for you. Psalm 63 verse 1 says this, God, you are my God, I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a land that is dry, desolate, and without water. Hear the psalmist. He's literally in a place with no water. And he says, forget that. I thirst for your presence, God. Forget the fact that I need a drink. I need the presence of God more. I need that more. Psalm 73 makes this even clearer. Whom have I in heaven beside you? Beside you I desire nothing on earth. There's a sense in all of this that when God is inviting us to be hungry, there's something much Bigger than mere food is being suggested. And that leads me to one of my favorite verses in all Scripture. Every preacher has a favorite verse. One of mine is Matthew 4.2. says this, When Jesus had finished fasting for 40 days and 40 nights in the desert, he was hungry. I want you to think about that for a moment. That's the wisdom of ages, isn't it? 40 days and 40 nights without food and you're hungry. Write that one down. If you take nothing else away from tonight. No, 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 no. No. Like that, that is why it's my favorite. I just think it's hilarious sometimes what's stated there. But, but Scripture is doing two things. Matthew is trying to teach us something different. Because what Jesus was hungry and thirsty for was not food, it was the presence of God. What he was desiring was the presence of God. So at the start of his ministry, he spends 40 days and nights in the desert, and he's hungry. And at the end of his ministry, he's hung up on a cross to die, and he says, I thirst. He quotes one of the Psalms and says, I thirst, and, and they feed him the sour vinegar mixture. And he's like, no, 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 no. He just pushes it away because he's not actually thirsty for liquid. He's thirsty for the presence of God. The first time in all his life, God was fully absent from him, and all he longed for was the presence of God. This is what happens in our lives. We get hungry, we get thirsty, and we look for it in all the wrong places. And I want to unpack really quickly tonight about God's true desire for us. Because if you've ever wondered why you don't feel satisfied with what you've got, it's because you were created to want more. But the more you've got, the more you're craving is not the more we fill ourselves with. God's desire is for you to hunger and thirst for more of him. John 4. One of my, again, one of my favorite passages. I know, I just sound like, they're all my favorite children. But John chapter four is one of my favorite. I love, love, love this story. Jesus is traveling back with his disciples towards his home region of Galilee. And he goes through this town called Samaria. Samaria is just different enough to make the Jewish people uncomfortable, just similar enough to make them even more uncomfortable. And so they go through Samaria and his disciples leave to go into the town. And Jesus comes to the well and meets a woman there who's drawing water in the heat of the day. And he says buy me a drink, you know, effectively. it's so, like, can you get a drink for me? And the, woman's, the woman stops and looks at him, and with some fairness is like, I can't believe you are talking to me. You're a Jewish man, I'm a Samaritan woman, I don't have the parchment to write out all the ways you're contravening laws and rules and regulations right now. This doesn't work. And Jesus, a single guy by himself in the middle of the desert, sitting by a well without a bucket, says, you should be asking me for water. She's like, what are you talking about? He's like, you should be asking me for water. If you knew who it was who spoke to you now, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Water that would never run dry. And this Samaritan woman who has so much sass, and I love it, is like, what do you, fine, give it to me. Give, Give me this water. And, and they get in this, involved in this conversation, and Jesus Jesus calls out the truth of her life and speaks to her and says, "This is let, put aside all the places you are in right now because you are a woman coming to the world by yourself in the heat of the day instead of in the cool of the morning with all the other women. There is something going on in your life, and I'm identifying that, but I'm only doing that so you understand who you're talking to. The living water is here. I'm the Messiah. It's here for you right now. Trust in me. This woman came with a thirst. She came to draw from the well to get some water. But Jesus met her with something else entirely. Now, then she she goes back and she runs back to the town and, and tells people. But there's something that you've got to understand about living water, and that is this, that God has often used water as this metaphor for what he's doing amongst his people, doing amongst you, doing amongst me. In the middle of the desert, in the Exodus, The Israelites are running away out of Egypt and they get marooned in the desert for 40 years. And in the midst of that, they complain more than once. I mean, you know, desert for 40 years. They were hungry. They complained more than once. And at one point, they're thirsty. And so Moses strikes a rock with a staff and water gushes out. God creates life where we only see death. God creates new streams where we see dry places. This is what God wants to do in you. This is the more he wants for you. So the woman runs to the town and brings people back and explains that Jesus met her and changed her life. And then the disciples rock up, and I love this. The disciples, of all things, have gone off to get food. And they bring it back to Jesus and they're like, you're hungry, bro? And Jesus is like, i got food you don't even know about. And they're like, oh, maybe he's got some pockets and he's got some bread in there. So the disciples come back. They're stunned that Jesus isn't hungry. And Jesus says, guys, I've got food you don't know anything about. But the thing is his food he explains to them. No no no, it's not that I've got, you know, wafers on my, on me. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. My food is to do the work of God. Jesus says, "I'm thirsty for the presence of God and I'm hungry to do the work of God." And encounter Church today, as you think about one year in, or if you're here for the first time, we're so glad you're here. We'd love to connect with you. We'd love you to find a home here. And believe me, you can. You don't have to believe to belong here. You can be like Tex. You can plug in, find a home and discover Christ. But you can plug in here. But if you are considering about what your next year holds, let me tell you this. You need a thirst for the presence of God. You need a hunger to do the work of God. If you do those things, you watch how your life changes. You watch what happens. You watch how God takes you and shifts you to go from here to there in a way you've never, ever dreamed possible. God's desire for you is to thirst for his presence and hunger to do his will and to find true satisfaction in that. Now, as a church, I'm excited for where we're going We've got a great year planned. We've got an encounter camp coming up, which is great. We've got some amazing series. We'll be, I'm preaching through some stuff on creativity soon. Then I'm preaching on the Holy Spirit. and So all the, all the people who are unfamiliar with that are going to get freaked out. But then we're going to go back the other way and go through the book of James. So we're going to hold those things together because that's the kind of church we want to be. Bible-loving, spirit-following. That's what we want to bring together in Jesus' name. And I'm excited for that. But, but I want to know what's going on in your life. I want to know what God's going to do in your life personally, because if we just turn up and put on a show every Sunday and you don't change in your spirit, it's all for nothing. I'm not really interested in that. Like I, I, I don't buy like hip-looking jeans just to get seen on a Sunday, honestly, I swear. I just want you to have an encounter with God. I just want you to have an encounter with God. So the question from here, if God's will for you, God's desire for you is to want more, to hunger to do his work, to thirst for his presence. How do we actually do that? Because you might be here and you're saying, Mike, I'm, I love what you're doing. I'm, I'm happy to be you know, involved and cheering on the work of God in encounter, but what I really need is the encounter with God. I need that encounter. I need it for me. I need to change. I need to grow. I need something. I'm in the desert. I'm in the desert. Can I say, I actually think we ask too little of God. I think we set our prayers too small. We say things like, God, why didn't that relationship work out? And God's like, well, I really wish you'd asked me that before you got in. <laughs> and, we, and we start asking questions, why, why not, why not, why not, why not? And God's saying, ask bigger, ask bigger. Why don't you ask God to change you from the inside out? I just think the amount of people that I meet and they're longing for a spouse. I mean, Jenny's taken. I'm sorry, so it's it's all second after that. But you're longing for a spouse, and I, no, I'm just honestly, I just want to speak to a real heartfelt need. I feel that, I hear it, I sense it, I understand that. But what you need to be craving is for you to be changed from the inside out, for you to be so prepared that when God brings that spouse along, you are ready. Not that you need a spouse. Let me clarify. You do not need to be completed by another person. You are completed in Christ Jesus. But if that's your heart's desire, lift it to God again and again and again. And if it's not happening, lift it again. If it's not happening, lift it again, lift it again, lift it again. You can keep praying these things. Keep knocking, keep knocking, keep knocking, and the door will be opened to you. Some of you have prayers for family members, and you're like, God, I want to get them to church. And God's saying, well, that's way too small. What I want for them is to see them fully restored into relationship with me. I want them saved into eternity. I want their their, uh, addictions broken. I want all their wounds healed. I want them fully restored and living out their faith in such a profound way that it's affecting the world in Jesus' name. We set small goals. We set micro goals when God's saying, dream bigger. Think bigger. What is God planting in you tonight, church, that you need to think bigger about, that you need to dream higher? It's a thought. I think we keep using God like he's $5 worth of petrol to get us through to the next destination when actually he's a whole new form of transport, picking us up, taking us somewhere new. So what are we going to do? Because if you always do what you've always done, you're going to always get what you've always got. That goes for everything. It's not just about your faith. It's about every part of your life. But it all stems from this one decision. Do you thirst for the presence of God? Do you hunger to do the will of God? The thing about our relationship with Jesus, and you heard it so beautifully in this song, As You Find Me, this incredibly beautiful song. Is that you don't serve a, a God who is full of anger towards you? A God who is waiting for you to change so he can love you. God came and met you before you ever knew. He was ready, he was waiting. He's here with arms wide open. And basically, we come to God one of two ways. One of the ways is we are afraid, we're so convinced we've let God down that we keep telling ourselves, I need to get better, I need to get better so God will love me. And the other way is we say, I think God's probably real, but I just need him to affirm everything I'm doing so I can believe in him, which sets us up as our own God. You're either terrified of God or you're angry at him. Can I tell you, that's not the way you need to come to God, because all this has been done. It has been done. The work of the cross is a finished work. Jesus Christ died for you, for love, for the joy set before him, for the hope set before him. To start something fresh in you, new life, so that you never have to fear God, the God who loves you. You don't have to fear letting him down. He's already approved you. And you can't rebel against him and just ask him to affirm whatever you want. Because the thing about unconditional love is it means the one who's unconditional gets to define it. Luckily, he says it's unconditional. But you don't get to set the rules around how God loves you or how God approves of it or even what God challenges you to do, it's the great tension of following Jesus. You're constantly accepted, but it's your choice with what to do in that. Thanks so much for listening. We'd love to hear from you. For more information and resources, please check out our website, encounteradelaide.com.au and don't forget to leave us a rating and review on your podcast provider. Have an amazing day. God bless.